You are listening to the YouTube Creators Hub Podcast, where you will learn how to conquer the internet one video at a time. Now, here's your host, Dusty Porter. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the YouTube Creators Hub Podcast. This is episode number six. So in today's episode, we've got a great interview with Mr. Lon Seidman over at Lon.tv. But before we do that, let's do a little house cleaning here. If you are a supporter of this show and you love the content we're creating here at YouTube Creators Hub, don't forget to go on over to our Patreon, which will be linked in the show notes for a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. You can support the show as well as get your channel featured or just support the show. And I don't wanna have many ads on this show, I wanna run this as a user-friendly based supported show. So if you are a fan of this show, head on over to the Patreon page now, go ahead and donate us that dollar, three dollars, five dollars, less than a cup of coffee from Starbucks each month and we would really appreciate it. So all of that out of the way, a couple more things I want to talk about. Number one is this, if you know someone who would be great to have on the show, a YouTube creator you would love to see on the show, go ahead and email us uh, on over uh, on the show or hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to know who you'd like to hear on the show uh, or if you would like to have your channel featured go ahead and get in touch as well as hit us up on over on Patreon and we can get you on the show. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest, Mr. Alon Seidman. All right, guys, I am so excited about our guest this week, Mr. Alon Seidman from Alon.tv. He does gadget reviews on YouTube, has been for almost four years now. I've been watching his channel for a good while and I am so excited to have him. Alon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to jump right into the interview. But before we do, Lon, is there anywhere on the internet where you'd like to point people who listen to the show? Right now, the best place to go is to Lon.tv because that is my YouTube channel. That's that's really where I live at the moment. Um, but I have uh, uh, some other things, too. So, you know, if you go to Lon.tv slash Facebook or Lon.tv slash Twitter, uh, you can find me in all of those places. So I set up a, a lot of short URLs on my on my domain there for all the other stuff, too. That's awesome. And for those of you wondering, that is L-O-N.tv. So go check him out there and let him know what you think. Subscribe to his channel. He would greatly appreciate it. So we're going to jump right into the interview. So question number one for you, Lon, is how did you get started on YouTube? So it really was kind of by accident. I, and I, I should start by saying that I got started doing this kind of thing when I was 13. I had a cable show on the local cable access channel. Nice. I saw it, it was fun. I saw this newspaper article one day about another kid that was doing a show, and I figured I would do one. And I didn't know what I wanted to do a show about, but I knew that I was really into uh, video games at the time. And I, and I really wish I stuck with it because I'd be like as big as PewDiePie by now, right? Nice. Um, so I... I uh, uh, I was doing this show on cable, and and one of the frustrating things about it was, first of all, my mom had to drive me to the studio because we couldn't do any of this at home back in 1987 or 88. Um, but the other frustration was that there wasn't enough reach, that if I wanted to get my show beyond the four or five small towns in Connecticut that my cable company covered, I'd have to bring the tape somewhere myself to get it on additional uh, channels. So, you know, I kind of uh, went went ahead in life and went to college and I uh, did a couple of little TV things here or there. I was the campus weatherman in my, in my uh, college campus station. That's awesome. And stuff. Um, but then um, what, what happened was when, when Google, actually it was Google Video first that really piqued my interest because they would let you upload video of any length, um, which was something YouTube didn't even let you do initially. And it just was like, oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> I was like, this is it. Like you can now post things to the internet and people can watch them. And this is amazing. No plugins. And then of course YouTube 
you know, was bought by Google and, and the two platforms merged. And I had an account for many years where I was just kind of parking videos, just doing these, these random videos and putting them up to see if I'd get any traffic on them. And I never really did. Um, so fast forward again, and uh, I got into a program on Amazon called the Vine program. Right. Uh, and at the time that I got into Vine, I was experimenting with a local news startup where we were covering uh, hyper-local news in a, a few communities here in Connecticut with video. Uh, and I had bought some video equipment, and I reviewed it on Amazon. Amazon apparently liked the review and put me into their exclusive reviewer program called Vine, and they send you um, things to review through. So basically, manufacturers send the things to Amazon. Uh, Amazon then sends the products to people that they select to review them, and you have no obligation to do a positive review. You can say whatever you want, and the manufacturer can, has to live with it. Uh, and what I started doing was doing video reviews on Amazon because I figured I would get better um, ratings on on those little thumbs up that you can get, the helpful th nods, you know? Right. Um, so I figured I would get more of those doing video because I knew how to make video versus not. And uh, I then took some of those videos and just randomly put them up on YouTube. And, and one of the first ones that really got traffic was just this generic external hard drive that I reviewed. You know, like anything you could buy at an office supply store, you plug it in and that's all it does. Um, and I got like, you know, within a week or two, like 15 or 20,000 views on this video. Nice. And from India. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> so I started uploading some other stuff that I had done on Amazon. Because for a while, I hadn't even been putting it on YouTube. And this was before YouTube was letting anyone share revenue either. So there wasn't a lot of incentive in my mind to do it. Sure. Um, but what do you know? All of a sudden, the other thing that I reviewed in a similar fashion, again, these are just iPhone videos where I'm just like, you know, holding the, the iPhone and showing the product. Right. Uh, and it just, it just kind of went from there to the point where I, I, I began to develop a little bit of a, of a gut feel that, ah, if I review this this way and put it on YouTube, this will get, you know, traffic. And sure enough, that's what happened. So, um, over the last four years, I've just been refining that, that model, figuring out what's working, what's not working. And, uh, for me, the biggest thing has been making my workflow efficient. So, you know, you and I both have other jobs, other things that we do. Um, so, you know, I, I needed to make my life uh, more efficient <laughs> in many ways in a whole bunch of different areas, but one of them also was with the YouTube channel. So what I do now is I, uh, record multi-camera live to disc. And okay. so I don't do any yet. I do editing, but I don't have to edit everything. I right. basically string clips together because it's all, it's all edited while I shoot it. And that's been the, the key to my entire ability to pump out the volume that I do. So that's been what I've been, you know, focused on. Uh, from an equipment standpoint, and that's what's been going on. So I'm up to you know 76,000 subscribers this week, and um, over a million views a month. And I'm just kind of rinsing and repeating. <laughs> and that's what, that. That is fantastic. It. It's it's so interesting to hear how people start on YouTube. Everybody's story is so different, and it's just so neat to see how everybody got to come to create content. But the 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 key thing is the thing that everybody has in common is that they're all passionate about creating the content that they create. So it's just so neat to hear about how people got started on the giant that is YouTube. So, uh, I definitely want to kind of dive into more of that, what you're doing as far as like recording to a disc and doing the editing pre, uh, pre shot or, you know, pre before you get it on the computer. I definitely want to talk about that here in a little while. Uh, but the next question I have for you, Lon is how has YouTube helped your business or how has YouTube uh, helped you to create a business? Well, I, I would say twofold, actually. Um, one, it has helped me create a business because this really started as a hobby and it still is to a very large degree because it's, I, I often consider 
uh, hobbies, passions, right? Sure. Um, and passions, hobbies. Uh, so, but it's become a business because it is, you know, there, there are business things happening now. I'm actually about to hire um, some part-time help to, to keep this thing moving. So um, I'm in the process of getting all the business stuff set up here with the LLC and everything else. Um, but in my other world, I have a family business that I've been a part of off and on for the last uh, 30 years or so. My, my joke is I've been in the management trainee program for, for <laughs> it's, a per, it's in perpetuity until one right, day. Right. Um, so we, we, uh, we make uh, gloves and safety equipment. Um, so it's not the most high tech stuff out there, but, um, uh, but I used to do all the IT work for the company, which is what got me into technology in the first place. Sure. Uh, and what's been interesting is I've been starting to do things uh, on YouTube for the day job. And we did a video a few, uh, about a year ago. We we're about to do some more um, that have become very high search ranked videos on the platform. You know, things about how to choose the right disposable glove for the job that you're doing. You know, all the things that you do with software. Um, I'm doing now with gloves and it's, uh, there's, there's always somebody looking for something. And, and so it's been interesting to take some of the skills that I've learned, you know, running this tech channel right. uh, and apply them to something as, as very much not technological, but there's a, there's an audience for it. And what's nice is that the content that we're doing for the small business is not the family business is not, um, you know, in your face promotional, it's actually more informational. And I think right. that's the kind of stuff that does really well. So you're using the the skills you're learning in creating the video content and applying those in your day-to-day job. Exactly. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what is something, this question, I love this question. What is something that you wish that someone had told you when you first started on YouTube? Mm, That's a good question. I think, you know, everyone's journey is going to be different because I I think what's been so fascinating about YouTube is that we attract different types of people to our channels. Um, The big thing, I think early on is that I didn't engage my subscribers as, as early as I should have. Um, and, and it was funny because you know, my subscriber base was growing very quickly. And when I got to like five or 10,000 subscribers, I said, you know, maybe I should just do a video to just talk to them. Cause I was talking to them in the comment stream and I thought that was good enough. Right. Uh, but it, it really wasn't because when I did my first weekly wrap up video, which is now I'm up to 83 of these now, um, I do one at once a week and it's my Monday night video. That's what I do. And, and, and I, try to stick to that schedule as best I can. Um, it was amazing the response that I got from people when I did the first one, like thanking me for that. Cause I, it, it's bizarre because I've never considered myself, uh, to be, and I don't want to sound like a pompous idiot here, but I, I didn't want to think of myself as a celebrity that people wanted to get to know better, but, sure. but really that's what your audience wants to do is, you know, right. I'm getting a lot of requests. People want to see my setup here, which is an d- absolute disaster. <laughs> um, so I'm embarrassed to show it. It's not that I don't want to, it's just, right. but, but they want to know what I do. What do I, and, you know, these are things that, you know, I, I mean, I've worked in public service before and everything. I'm the chair of my local school board. I'm in a small town. Everybody knows everything about me locally, but it's not something that I never had 80,000 people wondering more about me. Um, so those are the sorts of things that I think as you're building a subscriber base to really start that engagement early, um, because in doing so, you really get to know what uh, your audience is looking for. And in our case, where a lot of our traffic is search driven, right. you know, if someone's coming to you on a search and then subscribing, which is how they're all finding me, and I'm, I would suspect you to some degree too, uh, to know what brought that person there, first of all, and what made them subscribe makes them like a super focus group for how you should be doing the rest of your content. And I think I would have uh, spent a lot less time on things that wouldn't get traction 
had I engaged earlier. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Now, so on Monday nights, you have it to where you've scheduled every Monday night to where you do this, I guess, vlog. So you do a vlog to on your channel, basically recapping what you've created throughout the previous week. Is that correct? Yeah, and I, I and the format's been changing over time because um, I, I yeah you know, I would just go through like things that interested me in the last week and kind of ask for some questions and stuff and and it got to the point where at one point I, one guy wrote in and said you know you're just being too promotional and he was right I was just talking more about the channel versus actually getting more feedback it kind of morphed into this thing about what are we doing here on the channel right um, so what I what I've been doing is really adding more opportunities for engagement. So now I'm doing a Q&A component where I'm taking questions from last week and integrating them into this week. So talk about what I did in the last week, but also um, adding in more of of the things that um, uh, they want to hear about and right. involving them in more of the process. So what have you found from that, Lon? Like creating that video every week, doing more of a community-based thing, the Q&A, like how have you seen that impact your channel as a whole? And on top of that, what were the most challenging aspects of doing that? Well, I think the, the most challenging aspect of doing it is the fact that you have to, you know, to, to accept the fact that people are really interested in, in you as a person. Sure. Um, and it's really, again, it's not something that I expected this to become. I, I really felt like I was this commodity content creator, which I was perfectly fine with. <laughs> so to, to, to have to think about that, that people really do want to know more. So, so that's been, that's been part of what I've been looking at. Um, and then as far as the channel's concerned, you know, it's, it's been really helpful because, you know, this is not a one-way conversation. So I put the video out there and then I spend the rest of the night just watching the comment stream on it so that I can start, you know, it, it, in the back of my mind, I'm hearing those voices when I'm making videos to try to keep giving them what they're looking for. So it, that's been kind of the exercise with it. And I think it's been really helpful. And, and the kind of questions that you ask are really critical also because you know you, you need to figure out what people want to be asked in the first place right <laughs> so and it's all trial and error and that's the best part about the platform is it doesn't cost anything beyond your time to put this stuff up there sure so you ask you see what kind of response you get like i was it, i was really into the new star wars movie and i wanted to talk about it and, and i wanted to see if my my subscribers wanted to talk about it too and there really wasn't any interest in it i wanted to do a game of the month uh, thing you know like hey this is the game i'm playing this month and there no one's asking where it is you know so so those are the, the sorts of things that i throw out there to see what kind of response they're there gets there they get I get to that um, and then decide if I should you know spend time making content around that so it's been a good test bed also that's really interesting you're kind of throwing stuff at the wall and kind of seeing which sticks and that way you can see what videos will be more successful and they'll be more receptive to what videos exactly so and that's, that's cool. and knowing right and if you only have one day you know one night I have a night a day you know pretty much every week I've got you know, three or four nights that I can actually make content. Sure. Um, so how do I spend that time? Am I going to you know, spend that time reviewing something that nobody cares about and no one's going to watch? Right. Um, and having that feedback from the, from the subscribers. Because really the subscriber views are what impacts your search performance overall. Exactly. That's exactly. Now ex expound upon that for the audience. What, what do you mean when you say subscriber views are what impact you in search results? Explain that a little more. Sure. So, so the way that, and this is all, you know, hypothesis because we don't really know how the search engine works. And I would imagine people at YouTube don't even know how it works either. Probably. Not. Um, but, but the, the, the common wisdom is that, uh, view time is the most critical, uh, component of deciding whether or not a video is worthy of being on the front page of a search for a particular keyword. Right. 
And so if your subscribers are engaged, um, theoretically, they should be watching a longer percentage of the video than, than maybe somebody who comes in just off of a regular Google search. Right. So if you can give them what they want, they'll watch longer and your search ranking will improve as a result. And I've found that, you know, I, I often don't do well with um, some of the really popular, well-marketed products. Like if I review an iPhone, forget it, because it's just not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at the scale that I can expect to be a front page search result for an iPhone. Sure. Uh, but I've been surprised that I did the, the, uh, the new Chromecast when it came out. Yeah, I love that. I, I've actually watched your video on that. Oh, thank you. And, and, and you and a lot of other people did too. And what's amazing about that is that that video really took off. Like it became a, a suggested video within the algorithm, right. um, which hadn't happened to me before. But I, whatever I did, I, I, and honestly, like sometimes I feel like it just, you just hit the right timing with it. Right. But whatever I did in that video, it engaged the subscribers enough that it became popular into YouTube search. And that's, right. that's been one of my it, biggest videos now. It's almost a case of finding your niche and sticking to it. Like you said about the iPhone video, like if I went to review an iPhone and I've done like an iPad Pro video and I did one a few months back. And the thing is, is you got to understand that there's thousands upon thousands of hours of content created for that one device. So if you're a technology reviewer or if you're um, somebody who's reviewing food, try to do something in your niche that may be a little outside of the realm of so much, I don't, I don't want to use the word paparazzi, but so so much popularity and try to get your video seen in maybe a smaller niche. And then once you grow, then you can do more of those larger, more well-known products. Exactly. And I think so. that's when I hit a million subscribers, we'll do a lot more iPhones, you know, well, but, absolutely. There might, <laughs> but there might be something where, you know, you could do some component of it that no one's talking about. Exactly. So, and I found success that way as well. Right. How to use the podcast app on the iPhone. You know, that's something that not a lot of people are doing. So, Correct. you know, finding those little niche areas within the product might be where it goes. I found good success with you know, answering the question, should you upgrade from the iPhone 6? You know, right. those right. those things that go a little bit outside the, the realm there. But every once in a while, you, you hit the jackpot and, and I can't explain it. You never know. <laughs> that that algorithm is, is hard for everybody to understand, including Google, like you said. So, uh, Segwaying into the next question here, if you had to, if you had to recommend a tool, a YouTube tool that you use to help your workflow, creating your videos or whatever it may be with your YouTube channel, what is a tool or a couple tools that you use that my audience may not know about? Well, I, I, I think, I don't know if you want to talk about hardware or software. Both, or, both, yeah, both. both, yeah. You know, it's funny, I, I, I'm on the software side, I'm using Final Cut Pro on the Mac. So that's how uh, you, that's how you edit your videos with Final mm -hmm. Cut Pro. Okay. And the workflow, and it, and and it's and people who are like professional video editors hate it because it's so different from you know it's like iMovie, but it's iMovie that does all the stuff you want iMovie. It's like to do. iMovie on steroids, right? Exactly, yeah. and and I love it for that because I can work so fast in there. Uh, the exporting is so fast, um, and I've become like this ninja on there. Just I, I'm just so. It's not like I'm a great editor, but I just I'm I for me I'm like I'm so good at this, and I tried to use. Um, uh, Premiere because I got a really fast little gaming PC that I built and I wanted to ed edit a little bit faster and and I couldn't I couldn't use it. <laughs> and it's no offense to the Premiere people out there. Sure, yeah. Everyone's like loves their platform, but I became this Final Cut ninja and I cannot touch anything else anymore. I'm praying that Apple just keeps supporting it. Um, so you know, so that's been you know been been kind of my path there. So from that standpoint. Um, that's the easiest and quickest way to edit my, you know, I've used a few of the tools like TubeBuddy. buddy I've used, I've, I've experimented with a few things here or there, but I haven't really found a YouTube software tool that has really helped me beyond just, you know, using whatever Google supplies within their, their tag suggestions and stuff. Um, sure. uh, I need to probably do a little bit more into that area. Cause I, you know, I'm, 
one of the things I dislike the most is all the SEO that I do. <laughs> to get. Uh, so I would like to find some tools for that. Um, another piece of hardware, though, that I like is, um, yeah, I, I was using a Blackmagic uh, video switcher for a while. Um, it was called the ATEM Television Studio, and it would, you know, that's what I was using to live switch on air. And I have a recorder that I still use from Blackmagic called the HyperDeck Shuttle. Okay. And what it does is it records off of my video switching hardware. I use a TriCaster now. Uh, but it records onto a, um, a solid state drive. So you take out this SSD, you just slide it into the recorder. It looks like all like heavy duty and professional looking and you, you hit the record button. I pop that disc out, I plug it into my Mac and the video doesn't even have to be transcoded. It's already in a format that the Mac can read. Right. So I have no rendering delays. You know, if I'm just doing straight cuts, it's just, you know, string the clips together and put my intro and outro on there in Final Cut and fire it off. And that was the single biggest investment beyond the switcher itself that I made because it completely took out. I used to have to record to a computer um, and now I don't have to do any of that. I can just grab that that disc, pop it out, throw it in my my Mac and and I'm off to the races. It's so really, it, it, it records directly to the disc. Right. And that's just that's just the raw video. Right. Right. OK. Yep, but, and, it, but it's in an editable format. So typically when you record with a camcorder. Right or your phone or whatever, you've got to bring the video in. And Final Cut's really good about letting you edit before it finishes transcoding. Okay. Um, but if you're on a MacBook or something, that transcoding process can really bog it down. Your little fan comes on and blows like crazy. Um, this this thing is just recording in its native Final Cut format. You know, right. ProRes 422, and you just drop it in, and you're you are good to go. And, and it's a real geeky thing, but <laughs> when I when I got this thing, I wasn't sure it was going to work. And day one, I'm like, oh, this is, this is the second coming. And I've yet to find anything better than this <laughs> stupid thing. So i got to stay stack of SSDs on my desk here. I just kind of rotate through them and, and uh, you, know, you plug it into your computer and your, your production is already two thirds of the way done. Well, I'm going to have to actually check that out after the show. So um, if you could give one piece of advice to emerging YouTubers or someone who's thinking about creating a YouTube channel, what would it be? My biggest piece of advice, because people, I'm always happy to look at people's channels briefly just to see what they're doing right or wrong based on what I've learned, you know? Sure. Um, the biggest mistake that I see people make is not put themselves into the video. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something I want to do uh, going forward this year. What What do you think that does for the the channel and the video itself? What do you think putting yourself out there? And that's something else that I talk about on the show almost every week is that if you're afraid to put yourself out there, you're not going to be you're not going to be successful. So there's no need to even create a channel, and you've got to get past that fear of seeing yourself on camera and just putting it out on the internet. Right. Exactly. And and I think that it's hard for people um, because a lot of people don't don't like hearing their voice or they don't like seeing themselves on camera. Yes, and, that's big. And it's something that you know because I had a cable show when I was 13. I got through all that when I was 13. You know, but it's 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 a big deal. Um, but Human beings are, are you know, even though we're all the, these connected technological uh, creatures now, um, the reality is that human nature still wants the connection to a, a breathing person, and they want right. to see that person. They want right. to see the facial expressions. And, um, and what's really funny is I, I look back at stuff even I did a year ago, and I cringe. Ooh, yes, I do. I do that as well. <laughs> you know? I, I mean... I, 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 I feel these videos, I'm like screaming at the camera, I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? I, like, I, I didn't even think I was doing that at the time, you know, right, so, right. so it's, it's this constant, you know, thing, but you, if you don't start doing it, then you never know. So, right. you know, and, and I think, again, if you want to build an audience, you know, if I'm talking about uh, an iPhone, let's go back to the iPhone again, if I'm talking about the iPhone, what's different between me and, the, and, the, and a million other people talking about the iPhone, if I'm on the camera and those people aren't, 
that I'm better than 800,000 of them, perhaps, you know? Correct, so, correct. Um, and that's how you build your, your audience to, to go from, I mean, the vlog people, people who do vlogs are, are successful because they're on camera. So I think right. that's, that's really important. It, the other thing is, is that people don't start doing video at all, right? right. It's like, oh, I want to do a channel. I want to do this. I want to do that. And, and they go out and they buy all this stuff. Like I need this fancy thing. And every piece of equipment I've bought has been something that I needed because I wanted to make my work more efficient. Exactly. And I think such a good point to hit on, and that's such a great piece of advice that you gave about putting yourself on camera. It also humanizes you, right? Like you're, mm -hmm. you're not just a username. Like you're not just a YouTube channel. You're, you're Lon, you know, and, and, and by seeing you on camera, you're a real person. And sometimes, you know, on the internet, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. It's very easy for people to just become an avatar or a username. But if, if you become a, a human on the video and they can see you, it's just amazing at at the difference it'll make in the few videos that I've done with, with my face on a cam and put it on, on the video. It's amazing. They're like, I didn't know you looked like that. They, they comment more on your appearance and in, in the video of, of you than they do the actual content. Uh, and, and it's amazing when you do that, it just kind of humanizes you. It's amazing how that works. And, and I'll give you a, another great example. One of, one of the people that, that inspired me or at least gave me, I, I say inspired me, but he also um, was a good example of, of the kind of format that I ended up adopting for my channel. Uh, it, was a, it was a channel called Classic Game Room. I don't know if you've ever seen his work. Um, no, what is it? It's Classic what? Classic Game Room. Classic Game Room, okay. Yep. So if you go on YouTube and you look for some old video game you played as a kid, you will find you know, a million different videos of that, most of them just being screenshots of, of the game or somebody talking over it or whatever. Sure. Um, what this guy Mark did is he, he has, you know, he's got a good on-camera presence. He's got a good voice for it. He's funny. Um, and he puts himself on at, at, at the beginning of every video to introduce it. You know, uh, that, and that's awesome. And, and you know what I mean? But it's that little thing. But that's how he built his audience was because, you know, who Mark is. So let's let's, you know, hit that fast forward button again. We're in 2016 now. You know, Mark's dealing with all the, the decline in ad revenue and everything. And he was about to shut the channel down because he was not able to support the business he had created under under what he was expecting. Right. Um, so he goes out on his Patreon and says, hey, I'm going to start this Patreon. Let's see what happens. And I guarantee you that if you did not see Mark's face on your computer screen over the last three years or four right. years or however long he's been doing it, um, actually longer than that, he's been doing it since 2008. Sure. Um, I, I would bet you his Patreon would be a third of the $10,000 plus he's getting a month right now. That, because that's amazing. Know, that's right? amazing. It, it, no, it's true. It's so true. It's such a true statement. Uh, that's such a great piece of advice. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's fantastic. Um, so the next question is, what is next for your YouTube channel in the future? Uh, going forward this year, and then also uh, th the back end of that question is, where do you see YouTube going as a platform in the future? Well, I think for me, um, to be selfish first, uh, for me, it's going to be uh, continuing to increase efficiency here. So one of my plans for this year is to um, bring on a uh, part-time helper. Um, I have, I'm fortunate that I have a, a town that has an excellent high school with a really good video production department. So um, I have a very good uh, 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 bench of potential um, people that I'm going to actually hire. So this is a paid internship I'm going to be doing um, to, to really help the onboarding of, of product reviews. I have a real system down now. Again, given all that feedback you get from people, you know what people are looking for in the reviews. Um, I tend to show things hands-on, so that, that requires a little bit more time to, to produce. Um, so we're going to be uh, bringing somebody on to help with that a little bit. Um, the big thing is is revenue and, and finding you know, it's, it's like a stock portfolio. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So right. I've been, you know, as we both were talking before the recording, you know, we, we, we have a bulk of our revenue coming in from YouTube's ad 
platform, which has been good to us, but you know, it's, 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 it, you're seeing things happen there. So, um, I'm, I'm looking to do more, of, of, of sponsored content, but not in, you know, my biggest concern right now is that there's a lot of things that are sponsored that are not clearly disclosed as being sponsored. Yes. Um, so I want to do content that is maybe sponsored by a brand or something, but, uh, is done in a way that actually adds some value where we're covering features where we're actually right. showing how to do something, perhaps using this product or whatever, and right. never actually do a review for money. So it's not like I'm going to go review somebody's product and get paid for it. I'm going to integrate it into some piece of useful content. So I've got a couple of things in the works on that. So let's let's stop for a second there. And let me ask you this on on that point. If you're someone in YouTube, uh, creating a YouTube channel, creating YouTube content, and you're seeing the ad revenue go down like everybody is, not just us, but everybody on YouTube is, what would you say to the listener who is wanting to look for other avenues of, of revenue for their YouTube uh, business? What would you recommend for them? Where, where should they start? I, I think what they should do, I mean, you got to build your brand first. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, I, I've never looked at the, the, the revenue coming in as, as my, uh, my primary indicator of success, because I think what, if you, if you think about what advertisers are looking for, um, they, they like numbers, even if they don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, subscriber count is a very big number. And, yep. and what they should be looking at actually is your retention score, right? I that's them, that's how, exactly what they should be looking at. But they never ask for that because when I show up someplace, oh, I got 76,000 subscribers. You're, oh, wow. You know, um, you know I, I even think uh, uh, PAX, which is the big gaming uh, convention that's happening out here in, in Boston in the next couple of months, um, they have a threshold. You need to have 50,000 subscribers before you can be considered as a member of the press for PAX. Right. So that kind of 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 you know, just, just number is what people are looking for. So I think you want to build that subscriber base and, you know, I, I liken it to, and just bring up another video game, uh, metaphor here, you know, the, the, the role playing game where you build your character's experience, you know, right. um, that's what it takes is you just have to continually grind out videos for not any monetary gain initially and right. maybe a little bit. Right. Um, but as long as you're growing, keep doing it because right. at some point you're going to hit a point where, um, you can afford that piece of equipment that really makes your life easier. You can afford to have the person come on to help you. You could afford to do this. And then maybe the brand reaches out to you saying, wow, you know, that, that how-to video you did a year ago about our, with our product was so great. We'd like for you to do more. I had, I had you know, a, a one manufacturer come up to me. I just had reviewed their product and I really liked it. And I kind of liked the way, this is just organically. Sure. I liked the way it worked. And I, and I had a lot of viewer questions coming in. So I just kept doing more videos on it because they were search friendly. Um, and that led that, that manufacturer to reach out to me to say, Hey, we really liked what you did. Can you do more of the same? Right. And we don't care what it is. Just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, so. I think it beckons back to the main point that I always say on this show and on my YouTube channel is if you start a YouTube channel to make money, you, you've already, you're, you're never going to be successful. Start a YouTube channel because you're passionate about the content you're creating. And then once you've created that community, that subscriber base, then you can maybe begin to monetize in the different ways that we're talking about now. Exactly. And by the way, if you've got people listening that are, you know, let's say your revenue is not derived from your content. You, know, you could be a lawyer or, or whatever. Sure. Um, and let's just use a lawyer as an example. So, you know, I reached out to a, a, a lawyer who's on YouTube. He's not, he's not on YouTube to make, to try to make money. He's there to actually build credibility for his law practice. Absolutely. And, and so he, he was covering a topic that I was, that I was in the middle of, of doing some research on. And I, I reached out to him because I think he'd be great as a guest to come on the channel to talk about it. 
Um, so, you know, if he gets one, two, three clients from the work that he's doing on YouTube, that that's that's value to him. So, right. um, you know, how to's are really like going back to my, my glove example for the, the, the family business where, you know, that we're, we're not out to build subscribers because I, I highly doubt that there's going to be a huge um, uh, audience for uh, continual content about disposable rubber gloves. But there, there probably is an audience for that, but it's not the kind of audience we're going to want to attract. So, right. Um, but you know, there's value to the company in that if we are providing information that's useful to consumers, uh, when they're out shopping and they see our brand offered, they're going to have a favorable opinion of that brand uh, when they make their purchasing decision because we help guide them in the right direction. So, so those connections get made. They're hard to measure, um, but you know, it's not just the revenue. It's not just the subscribers. You know, this guy, this lawyer, only has maybe. A, couple hundred subscribers, but they might be really valuable for him right, to have those. Right. Ideas. So, so much good stuff in what you just said. So listeners, make sure you go back, re-listen to that segment that Lon just said. This is so important. Sometimes we get caught up and you may be listening to the show and you're not creating content to make money on YouTube, but you're creating content to push your ebook or push your website. Or uh, like I said, the, the numbers are absolutely meaningless. Like, like what Lon said previously, and I've said on the show before, you know, you want to build that subscriber base, but you want to create a rabid fan base, a rabid community that's going to consume your content. So that's so much good stuff right there. And what you just said. So the back end of that question was, where do you see YouTube going as a platform in the future? So obviously we've got this new transition over to YouTube red. Um, you know, there's a paid version of YouTube. Now, where do you see this platform going? Maybe not even just YouTube, but video in general, where do you see this platform going? Yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing. I you know it, it's hard to predict because it's it's an industry that's never existed before. We've never had the you know the, the, I think the biggest change in media that's occurred with the internet, and we're in the middle of it, which is so fun to be. And I was a I was a communications major in college, so to have to have all this change in mass media happening right before my eyes and being involved with it is academically been very interesting to me. Um, but the you know we're in the middle of this huge transition where the cost to distribute content has gone from millions and millions of dollars. Uh, for the communicator down to nothing. I mean, certainly Google has to make all this investment in infrastructure to keep this thing running. But uh, for us, the creator, uh, it is so cheap to distribute this content now that anybody can go take their phone out and upload something to YouTube and get watched by a gazillion people. Sure. It's amazing. Yes. However, what, is, what happens when you have no scarcity is that the value of what gets uploaded is, is diminished very, very quickly. So uh, I think what we're seeing right now is the fact that because the ad model for YouTube is not to put ads against content necessarily. It's ads to target audience. Correct. Correct. And so every time an audience member goes on to a video and hits the play button, another piece of inventory is created. And if you compare that to a television station, the evening news has, you know, eight or 10 slots available for a 30 second commercial. There's right. real scarcity in that inventory. Um, you know, one of the, the strengths of YouTube as a platform that they often tout is how many hours of video are uploaded a day. Well, every hour of video that's uploaded a day is uh, a further dilution of the inventory pool. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, so to rely, you know, solely on, on YouTube ad revenue is going to be a problem. Um, I, I don't think it's a problem for YouTube necessarily because they, they make money regardless. It gets harder for the independent creator to continually expect an increase in revenue because it's just, I don't, I don't see it being possible given the economics of it. So right. um, I think we're going to see more things pop up to um, try to create scarcity in these areas because um, you know good high-quality video is valuable to brands, and I think it's going to be a lot more direct communication between a brand and uh, YouTubers that might impact what those brands might spend on on the advertising. You got YouTube Red out there, which you know helps to further um, you know take people away from the from that ad model. 
Um, you know, I don't know how many people are going to pay for something that they're already getting for free, but uh, right. I'm doing it just because I want to, you know, because I, I like it. It actually is a lot nicer. Of an sure. I, I, I'm subscribed to YouTube Red as well. I, I actually like it a lot. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm concerned for the long term viability of the ad model itself. Um, and what I've been really comforted about is because I have a Patreon and, and again, Mark, the uh, classic game room guy. Um, you know, he's, he, he, I was amazed, like within three days, he, he went from zero to $10,000 a month. Right. And that's something that I'm, I'm really working with. And I created a Patreon for this show. Uh, it hasn't took off yet, but, uh, I'm really excited about people who are fans of this show. You don't have to have those raw numbers of, you know, hundreds of thousands or a million viewers as you would with, with the whole ad model. You just need a couple hundred or a few thousand people who are supporters of what you're doing going on over to like your Patreon or Kickstarter or uh, GoFundMe, whatever it may be. And it's, it's a different model, but I think that's where we're going uh, in, in the future. And like you said, more direct contact with the actual advertiser and the content creator. So right. creating high quality content because that pie is getting bigger, like you said, more videos getting created each day than ever before. It kind of dilutes the amount of ads that may be run on your video, thus you earning less money, which is what everyone's seeing now. So we're going to have to, to find other avenues, other venues to make money. It's exciting in that, you know, I think the ad model will always be there in some form. It's not going to look what it looks like now, but I think it'll always be there in some form. We just may have to rethink the way we've done things in the past. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's just the nature of the changing world we're in. And, and, and no one's really figured out new media yet, which is part, you know, there was, there was a very set model for how the traditional media had worked because of that, that, sca that distribution scarcity. And it, and it translated, right. Right. you know, as we went from print to, to broadcast, it was the same, the same issues. It was the same limited inventory. Um, but now it's very different and, and I'm very encouraged by what's happening with Patreon right now is, is that I, and not, not because of Patreon itself as a platform, which has been, I think, very convenient for creators, even though they take 8%. Um, there is a, a, a culture building where people are willing to support the faces that they see, right. uh, monetarily for their work directly. And that is the big change. That's, yes. that's something people are willing to do to pay for something they are otherwise getting for free um, because they value the content and they don't want it to go away. And I think that that to me has been um, very encouraging, yes. uh, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I have about 70 patrons right now. And I, I say to people, look, if you find value in this content, uh, you know, a dollar a month, it's not, you know. It's not a lot. Uh, if that's all you want to do, that's fine because it's right. better than nothing. And and you translate that out over however many subscribers you have in your in your thing. I ask, I do an ask every week, and you know it's 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 been helping. It's not you know it's not my a big chunk of my revenue yet, but it's now another piece of the pie that wasn't there a year ago. So right. those things are are building. And that's really it. Bran branch out your sources of revenue, especially when you're a content creator, because you never know when one of them might be taken from you. Quickly. Exactly. Um, so two more quick questions, and we're going to end this interview. It's been so good having you online. You've, you've got so much great knowledge to share, and you've been doing it. You've been in the space for so long. Um, do you have a couple books that you would recommend for someone, maybe not even just for YouTube, but creating content online? Any books that you've read recently or uh, any staples that, that, you, that you've read that helped you in growing your business? Well, you know, it's funny. I have a book on my, let me get it real quick here. I, I haven't read this book yet, so, but, I, but I know who wrote it. Um, so uh, there's a company called Pixability, and they wrote uh, in, the, in the YouTube, uh, in the dummies uh, 
category of books called YouTube Channels for Dummies. Um, but these guys are, are and gals are a company that uh, focuses on deep analytics on YouTube. And what they're trying to do is pr- pr- find some scarcity of mm-hmm. you know, going to brands to say, hey, here's the, the, the 70 YouTube channels out of, out of the gazillion out there that you should focus on for your particular brand. They wrote a book on how to build your YouTube channel and, and – um, it's and actually what's, what's the name of that book? Uh, YouTube channels for dummies. Okay. YouTube channels for dummies. I'll actually have to get you to send me that link and I'll link it in the show notes here below the, below the episode. Yeah. I've, so. I've been impressed with, with, um, with what they do, um, just because of, of the nature of their, of their business from a deep analytics side, they don't really touch a lot of creators directly. Um, but they did a, a, a piece on consumer electronics last year that was really useful, um, in, in, in communicating to brands exactly the value of, 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 of independent content. So, um, I think that's, that's a book there. I, I, you know, honestly, I haven't really read all that much on, on this stuff because it, you you could read something today and it's, it's irrelevant tomorrow. Exactly. It changes so frequently. You're exactly right. And you know what, if it, you know, it'd be one thing if it didn't cost, if it cost a lot of money to upload a video, it'd be one thing, but it doesn't, you know, so I I keep throwing stuff out there and, 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 you know, you, you got to keep an eye on things and whatever sticks is what I kind of tend to stick with myself. <laughs> That's exactly right. So uh, the final question I have for you is a little more lighthearted, a little more fun uh, that I like to ask my guests that come on the show. What are a couple or a few channels that uh, I call them like your guilty pleasure? Mm-hmm. Uh, some channels that people may not have heard of, uh, just some channels that you are subscribed to or, or you watch on a constant basis that you really enjoy. Well, you know, what's funny is I love like the retro gaming channels. Um, yes, those are so good. I don't play games. Like I have no time anymore to play anything. So, Absolutely. Um, but I, I really uh, enjoy. Uh, so, classic game room obviously is one of my favorites. Um, I like, uh, and these guys are just going on hiatus now for the same reasons we just talked about. Uh, game Sack. They used to have a they had a twenty minute uh, show they would do on different. They pick a topic and cover a bunch of retro games on there. Right. Uh, La- Lazy Game Reviews is another guy who does a lot of retro hardware and stuff. So I spend a lot of time on uh, those channels. Um, Vice News. I really been very. I mean, they, they're putting their reporters at significant risk. Um, or they're actually putting themselves, the reporters themselves are doing this voluntarily. It's not like Vice News is sending them there, but um, they're doing some tremendous journalism. Uh, you know, they, they covered the Ukraine uh, conflict in a, in a way that no other news organization really did at, at the detail that they were able to do. Wow. Um, so, you know, that was something that I was really uh, fascinated with. And I, I do watch uh, GameSpot's uh, stuff just to kind of keep up with current gaming technologies. A lot of my reviewer, my, my viewers are into that. Sure. Um, I had actually learned more about gaming than I, than I knew about because <laughs> I, I hadn't, you know, I used, to, I used to focus on it heavily. But uh, over the last five or ten years, I kind of dropped off a little bit on it. So I had to, to kind of uh, get, get up to date on things. So they have a really good nightly news cap that kind of goes through the whole uh, day in gaming and everything. So those are some of my favorites. Well, um, and there's more. I keep adding new channels every day to my. I know. I do too. It's crazy. I need to go through and kind of clean some out. I've got so many now that I'm sub- subscribed to. But there's so much good content being produced right now by people that it's just such interesting stuff being created. So and you get great ideas from it. That's oh, that's, that's oh yeah, that's fantastic too. Yes. I love to watch what other people do because you know it's just it's not like you're stealing their ideas, but it's neat to see you know, what attracts people to, to it's like the people I'm really jealous about are the ones that can just get in front of the camera and talk for a half hour and get these huge amount of views. I know from it. it's crazy, but that's, but that's, that's something that's, I've actually started working into my wrap up. They used to think like, Oh, we got to keep this wrap up really short. Right. Now I'm having an opposite opinion. Cause this guy can sit up there and talk for a half hour. Why, why can't I? 
<laughs> right. Well, Lon, you have no idea how much it means to me and the listeners to have you here and for you to dropping all that knowledge uh, on us here today in the episode. And remember, if you want to check Lon out, go on over to his uh, YouTube channel and visit Lon, L-O-N dot TV. Uh, he's been there, been creating some video content for almost four years. He reviews all kinds of technology and gadgets and a lot of fun stuff over there. So definitely go check him out. And Lon, I really appreciate you being on the show. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. Don't forget to visit us at our website, www.youtubecreatorshub.com. Also, guys, it would be greatly appreciated if you guys would go support the show on over on our Patreon page. The link will be down in the show notes below. Uh, for as little as a dollar, two, three, five dollars, you can support the show and keep it ad free. Also, I would love to hear from you guys on who you would like to hear from the show, as well as YouTube topics or questions that you might have. You go to the website on the right-hand side of the page. You'll see something that says, submit a podcast question. Click that button, record the question, and you can be featured on the show. Until next time, guys, keep creating that great content, and we'll see you later.